Hello, friends. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Good? Great. Well, welcome to another episode of Improv and Magic. I'm LD, and you're about to hear from my good friend and fellow cast member at Just the Funny, Mark Mockaby. This is a guy you are going to love. He has so much to share in this episode. He shares about his early beginnings in theater, what he's learned from his time as an improviser and director, and so much more. There's a lot of passion in this episode, which I love so much. His love and his drive really comes through in this conversation, and I hope you feel it right along with us. So, why don't we get to it? Here's my guest, Mark Mockaby. This is one of the most beautiful human beings I've had the pleasure of meeting, knowing, performing with. He's my good friend, Mark Mockaby. How you doing, Mark? Good, LD. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate you, and I appreciate you doing this today. It's my pleasure. You know, there are many things about you that I've always envied, but I would have to say if there's one definite thing that I definitely envy above all, it's your new wonderful hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> pandemic hair. Your pandemic hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know people can't see it, but it's this lovely shade of gray. It's long. It's got a nice Willie Nelson feel to it. Wow, that's high praise, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it, 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 during the pandemic, I was like, I couldn't, We well, first we couldn't get haircuts. Right. Uh, and then, um, and then it got, and I was like, well, when I get my vaccine, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to cut it off and raise money and donate it. And then I got my vaccine. I was like, I want to keep it a little longer. And then I uh, got the second. Then I got many vaccines. I'm up to date. And um, and then I was just like, I can't cut this now because it's too long. It'll take too long to grow back. So it's uh, maybe longer than it's ever been in my life. Although when I was like 19, 20, it was you know, pretty long past my shoulders. But really, yeah, it's nice to see the hippie mark again. Yeah. Or the insurrectionist mark, depending on your point of view. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I met you with the short hair, and now I see you with the long hair, and now I can't picture you with the short hair anymore. It's weird. You know, I, I, I see pictures of myself, and I'm like, uh, who is that guy? And wow, he looks so <laughs> square. <laughs> um, I want to start, as I always do, at the very beginning with you. Okay. So, um, where did you grow up? Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. And what was growing up like for you? Oh, gosh. I, I moved around a lot. Had a pretty chaotic childhood. I actually lived in Las Vegas for a while when I was three. Oh, really? Um, yeah, my uh, my grandma and my mom are, uh, kind of took me and my brother and the hid from my, hide from my grandpa, traveled across country. We ended up in Vegas, and my mom was working at casinos and lived out there for a uh, little under a year, I guess. My first real like linear memories are from Las Vegas. Mm. Um, came back to Cincinnati, um, lived there for a little time, and then moved... Uh, with my grandparents, my brother and I, to a little town called Marion, Kentucky, um, in Crittenden County, and mm. uh, this is in the, the um, <coughs> early '60s, and um, <laughs> it had two stoplights. So it was, uh, it was, it was in the South, and it was a small town. It was kind of like Mayberry. Yeah. Wow. I went to kindergarten in a in a station wagon. 
Did you really? I did. So that's how small it was. <laughs> what What's that like, going to kindergarten in a station wagon? Uh, Mrs. Litchfield was my kindergarten teacher, um, and she would uh, she had her own kindergarten in like her house. Um, now we might call them daycares, <laughs> although they were uh, we we did do stuff. I guess we learned, uh, and she'd pick you up every morning in her. Um, in her uh, incredibly dangerous station wagon because we'd all sit on the back in these little benches and there'd be country roads and, and nobody thought any different, you know, so there's a bunch of little kids in the back and we'd just go to kindergarten and at the end of the day, she'd, uh, she'd drive us to our houses and drop us off. Wow. So, yeah. I'm assuming there there are no seatbelts in there. No seatbelts. That's why, that's why it was, you know, in retrospect, you know, probably horribly dangerous. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah. you know, I remember... <laughs> When you know no seatbelts, and when I was a kid, you know that my mom and dad had a uh, station wagon, and we just get in the in the back and roll that window down and hang out the back like dogs and uh, and watch the world go by, and that's what childhood was kind of like in some ways. But it was pretty chaotic. So we moved to Marion, lived there for five years, and moved back to Cincinnati probably around the time I was nine, eight, no, eight, seven or eight, and um, you know uh, lived in Cincinnati and. Uh, had had a, a you know pretty crazy childhood honestly a mm. um, lot of chaos a lot of a lot of uh, stuff and um, eventually uh, you know traveled across the country and when I was about 19 years old uh, went to school for a couple years at the University of Cincinnati I studied theater mm. and um, then took off and lived in communes and uh, traveled across the country and eventually ended up in San Francisco in 1979 mm. and then uh, eventually came back to Cincinnati. Got married, um, had a family, and uh, about 20 years ago, I moved to Miami. Uh, I had a whole career uh, in theater as a professional actor and director, and then um, uh, moved to Miami and went back to school and got a couple of degrees, <laughs> and now and found JTF eight years ago, and, and uh, you know, we're here. We are here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the thumbnail sketch of Mark's existence. <laughs> um, at what age did you become interested in performing? Pretty young. I, I was, um, <clears throat> you know, um, the true story. I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I wanted to be an actor <laughs> because I watched the Brady Bunch. Um, <laughs> it's a true story. I, I would watch. I was, you know, I watched all those television shows. But the Brady Bunch, I was like, they were all around my age a little bit, and I was like, if they could do that, I could do that. That looks like fun. Um, and so um, uh, I had an old copy of King Lear in my bookshelf in my bedroom and uh, uh, it was the only uh, copy of a Shakespeare play that I had so I read it when I was probably fast forward I'm probably 11 now and uh, and I would read all the parts to myself and mm. read them out loud and, and play all the parts yes I played Lear you know as a as a as an 11 year old in my bedroom and uh, blow winds and crack your cheeks <laughs> and um, that kind of turned me on though and I was like this is I, I want to do this but I didn't really have, it just didn't work out, you know, and um, when I was, uh, uh, when I was in high school, I did this play and wrote this play and we did it, and then I really, I was going to be a veterinarian. I was uh, accepted to University of Cincinnati as a pre-vet major, and uh, I actually went to school at the Cincinnati Zoo, my 11th and 12th grade. Oh, wow. Um, it was, I was, uh, I was part of the first graduating class, and I was actually class president of the um, uh, Natural Resources Management Program, the Zoo School. It was a pilot program, first of its kind in the country. Graduated from there and then went to school and I was sitting at UC and I was studying pre-vet and I was looking at all these classes, organic chemistry and organic this and organic that, 
And, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, I happened upon the theater page and started looking at those classes. And I was like, that, that looks like a lot more fun. <laughs> and uh, I changed my major that day. And wow. um, got home, uh, told my mom, uh, who flipped out, um, not really flipped out, uh, but she was like, what? And uh, then told my, my family, was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you mean you got, what a, what a, an actor, what is that? A professional actor? And I was like, they get paid for that? Um, what a travesty. And uh, went to school for there uh, for a year and a half. I was there. And then that's when I took off to San Francisco. And then I studied um, with a man named Wendell Phillips out there at a place called the group uh, um, Stage Group Theater. And Wendell was a member of the group theater, taught at the Actors Studio. So it was very much this, it was just a heady time. In 1979 in San Francisco, studying the method and just, you know, in this band of ensemble people and I lived in the prop room for a while of the theater. It was crazy. It was crazy existence. Nice. Yeah. But that's kind of, you know, how I, you know, um, that's kind of what happened after uh, after Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To go back a second, when you made that decision that day, I'm going to change my, my major from, from veterinary uh, lessons to yeah. theater. Was it hard for you to kind of let that dream of being a veterinarian go, or was it very easy for you? It was... Well, it was difficult. I loved science. I was always a science nerd. Um, loved animals. My mom, uh, my mom raced thoroughbreds, and she trained dogs, and it kind of rubbed off on me. Um, but I, you know, I, um, I, it wasn't that difficult because I, you know, I just, um, I really liked theater classes, and so once I did it, I was like, and also I was really into primate psychology, yeah. so I began to think that if I get out of veterinary school and I, I kind of have an, in, an inroad into Ohio State they had a Cornell and Ohio State were the two big veterinary schools in the country then but I didn't you know I, I like dogs and cats and parakeets I do but I wasn't all that excited about you know working on dogs and cats all day you know and um, I love dogs and cats I just want to say that out front uh, I, you know um, but I was really having been at the zoo and <clears throat> worked with those vets I was really into you know, um, more exotic animals, you know. I mean, at the zoo, I, I was on gorilla watches when they were pregnant, staying up all night, taking detailed notes on them. I got to deal with, like, big cats and uh, and I vampire bats. I got bit by a ferret. I had a reindeer attack me. I mean, my God, it was an exciting life. You got attacked um, by a reindeer. I got attacked by a reindeer, yeah, yeah, uh, in the children's zoo, yeah. Um, and it uh, wasn't bad. He just kind of, he was in rut, and he kind of reared up on his hind legs, and he started pawing at me like, yeah. You know, like somebody who doesn't know how to fight, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was like, I jumped over the fence, and I was like, man, um, but I I I, you know, um, I just uh, it, it there was something about it. It's hard to put my finger on what it actually was, but I had remembered reading Lear, and I had remembered doing that play, and I remembered the joy it gave me to um, to be somebody else, you know, and you know also the laughter. Um, you know, uh, when I was younger, I was bullied a lot, and, uh, you know, people would laugh at me. And uh, this time, though, um, when I heard, you know, it got to the point where I heard laughter and people were laughing at me or with me, it changed my perspective on that. And it kind of was able to take a strength that I had, which is to kind of uh, make people laugh or, or make them feel something, and turn it around as a, 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 like a superpower, you know. Mm -hmm. So now when I hear laughter, it fills me with joy, mm -hmm. you know. When you were in high school, mm -hmm. uh, you did theater, you mentioned, and you even yeah. wrote a play, you mentioned. Yeah, I did a little bit of theater, not much. We Here's okay. here's the story. It was for an English class, because when I went to school at the zoo, we would have our English. We had English, 
and math um, and science in the morning in the zoo next to the zoo commissary. So it was like this classroom that they kind of converted for us. And um, uh, we, as part of our English assignment, we had to do this project. And I was like, I read this book called The Blue Knight. It was like this, uh, that they might have made a television show out of it or something like that. You owe me. Um, but no, um, that, but I, I took it. I read the whole book. I adapted it into this play. I played the lead character. I directed it. I, I cast all my friends in it. And, you know, for our little 19-group class, it was a hit. It really was. <laughs> it, was a, it was a hit for our class, and everybody yeah. liked it. And it was like, you know, I thought, I, I, I can do this. This, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, it just always had, it just made sense to me. The, the acting made sense. Storytelling made sense. Um, in a way that nothing else had made sense before. You know, my brain just lit up. And uh, I... Um, uh, and uh, it was like finding your passion um, without realizing that it was there all along, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so when you were doing the little bit of theater you were doing in, in high school, mm-hmm. at that time, did you see this as, this is something I would really love to do for the rest of my life? Or was it kind of just like fun and games? Back no, then? I no, I, uh, I, I loved movies. I loved television. I loved, I, I didn't see many plays. I just, you know, with uh, my family didn't go to many plays, um, but I, I did see a few, and um, and I also, uh, a, a man had come into my life, uh, because of the chaos that I talked about earlier in my life, um, you know, uh, my second cousin, uh, a guy named Don Dickman, uh, adopted my brother and I, uh, and that was like the, from 18, 17 to 18, and Don, uh, he, he, he would encourage us to go see plays, so I when I was a senior in high school, I started to see plays at the Cincinnati Playhouse. I saw uh, King and I um, uh, with Rex Harrison. Um, so, and I saw some, you know, because of Don, he would tell us to do this, and and we did it, and it was fun, you know. And now I, I, I uh, so it was, um, you know, it it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't that foreign to me at all. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, it, it made it made sense to me. And I still love science. I'm still a science nerd. Matter of fact, I'm wearing a NASA shirt right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, uh, but nothing gave me that kind of joy as connecting with other actors and connecting with an audience in this kind of great symbiotic moment that only happens once. That's the cool thing about theater, right? Yeah. Um, it happens one night, and it's never going to be there again. It's ephemeral. Mm-hmm. And um, and that audience is that audience for that night, and th- that next audience will be a whole other beast. And so. The cool thing about theater is that you can do a show eight times a week, um, and uh, you know do that for four weeks or two years, and you'll never have the same show twice, um, because it's all about what's happening in that moment. Um, and you know, I, I discovered that uh, as technical and as demanding as it is, film can be the same way. You know, yeah. Um, acting is acting. Yeah. Was there any particular play when when you were a uh, teenager that really resonated with you? Um, well. This my senior year. It was either my senior year or I might have been a freshman in college. I saw Of Mice and Men, mm. and that play blew my mind. I saw it and then I immediately read it, um, and it just uh, for uh, just it. That's that last scene in that play. Just I'll, I'll choke up right now. It just blew my mind. Yeah. And uh, how sensitive it was, and and so Mice and Men really. I would say that that play really kind of thought. It made me realize how deeply meaningful theater can be. And film too, uh, you know. I, yeah. um, and and also, um, 
to be in the same room in the dark with a bunch of people breathing together and mm. experiencing that and by and those words and the and the actors were so good I just was lost I, I, I was transported someplace else so that play probably really kind of you know I mean the, the the fire was lit but that play definitely threw a whole bunch of gasoline for me, it was a uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I and I know nowadays it's kind of cliche to say that show, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I loved it so much. I remember uh, my mom took me to see the show uh, when they were touring in Miami Beach, and I my mom bought me the soundtrack. And wow. I remember there was this one Saturday where I just listened to the whole show on the soundtrack on cassette tapes. Remember cassette tapes? I, I do. <laughs> and I would I would just listen. I literally listened to the soundtrack the entire day. Wow, man, that's cool. That I I related so much to that character, uh, the Phantom. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that feeling of wanting to be in love with someone but can't because you you feel ugly and you feel unworthy. And I was going through a lot of that when I was like very young, like thirteen or, or fourteen. I was going through a, a lot of that, uh-huh. and that feeling of and, and it's interesting because it's a show that doesn't have a happy ending. No. You know, the guy that you're kind of rooting for loses mm-hmm. you know so and there's not a lot of musicals that take that take that uh, you know that that courageous step to show you know the character failing right but you know for me that character just resonates so much with me because i relate to it so much i still get choked up to this day at that last scene and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and the music is gorgeous and, oh yeah and it, it just it just closed right didn't they just have this kind of uh, on broadway yeah, yeah. On broadway they just had this big celebration and stuff yeah. so it's been there's a reason it's been around for a long time, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a reason I think plays like that are universal, you know, because I I don't know about you, but for me, you know, if you had that experience seeing it and experiencing it, even as a grown man, you think back on it, it probably can move you in many of the same ways. I know mm-hmm. it does for me. Mice and Men, good example. If I see, I, I if I if I I, I saw the uh, Gary Sinise version a while back and John Malkovich Mm -hmm. and uh, it moved me just like it moved me when I was younger you know on stage and so there's something something so powerful about a universal story because we can all identify human beings don't like to be told what to do you know (laughs) we don't like to be (laughs) told what to do but we will watch somebody else go through something and think oh what would I do oh yeah I know what that's like and then we can go out and we can do something different perhaps and that's how theater, I think, can change the world, is that uh, we identify and then we try to uh, either not do or do according to what our, our set of values are, you know, because yeah. we identify. And that's what happens on stage, I think, is that with, as an actor, is, you know, it's that this identification process, this, this, this connection with other people and with the material and, mm-hmm. and with the world. It's just so wonderful to be, to be, to live in this world for a while that, you know, uh, to step into this on the stage and put the costume I love putting the costume on for the first time and, and uh, watching this transformation happen for me and the other actors and, and everything and then you know and then you get that that living breathing beast called the audience in there and it's just phenomenal yeah, yeah. but I, I yeah The Phantom is, is, is a phenomenal show and the music is so powerful it goes mm-hmm. right through you yeah do you feel as moved watching uh, the movie version of a show as as you would the the live show, um, in a different in a different way, I think uh, the 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 thing about the live thing, I think it, it, it's it's impactful because like I said earlier, it 
it's only happening that once you know no matter how many times you do it it's happening that once so that experience is really rooted in the present moment it's happening right now um, in fact Tina Packer the artistic director of Shakespeare and Company or the former artistic director she she's one of the founders of the theater um, she used to talk about uh, when I worked with them and worked studied with her she used to talk about the perpetual moment of now mm. that now is just repeated it's perpetual it always is happening and, and it's um, always new it's always new you know yeah. and I think film um, what film loses in that respect um, because you know you, you're watching something that may have been shot six months a year two years ago and it's gone through many many hands and many many creative minds before it gets to you but um, you can also the camera offers things that the stage can't offer that's true too you know um, you, you know I used to tell people that on stage I still do you know, we move the actors around, and in film, we move the audience around. Mm. And so, you know, the power of the close-up, that you can actually see into somebody's heart, right? And, uh, and so there are, there, so, so it's, it's a different thing. It can be just as powerful. And then you add all the other elements. Um, it can take you on a, on, a, on a different kind of journey, um, but no less powerful. You know, they're, they're, they're both, uh, uh, they, they both have their superpowers. I think with me, whenever I watch the film version of a musical, especially if it's a musical that I know so well, mm -hmm. there's also a part of me that's doing that whole comparison thing, mm -hmm. comparing it to the live show. Like, the movie version of Phantom that they did in 2000, don't remember when, mm -hmm. with uh, mm -hmm. Gerard Butler, uh, an action guy who doesn't really sing. Right. You know, that's, I mean... That's tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie, but of course, there's still that side of me that's like, you know, if I were directing the film version of this, I would have done it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and and I don't know. It's it's like if I go to see him, you. I mean, I like Gerard Butler in, in his movies, and uh, oh, so uh, do so, I. Uh, yeah. But I also think that you know, um, all of us actors have skill sets, and mm -hmm. and we don't all have all the skill sets, mm -hmm. you know. So I think uh, with a musical, especially music like that, you, you, I think you have to have somebody who can, um, who can, um, uh, who can fulfill it. Yeah, you know, it's it's potential and promise, um, and when I go to see a musical, I go to see a musical. I want to hear people sing. <laughs> you know, it's it's part of the yeah. part of the whole thing. The music goes right through my body. It's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, musicals can bring me to tears faster than anything else, probably. You know, musicals mm. on stage when I'm there, and it's just like oh, like a, uh, you know, it's just it's like a, a gush that comes out of me. It's it's amazing. So, yeah, and just like you said, you're also feeling that with other people around you yes it's a communal experience mm -hmm. theater is community it's it's about it's about that little community that is formed that night and mm -hmm. and uh and you're right experiencing something with other human beings um it sharpens the experience for me i can only speak for myself and it deepens the experience because we're all in this together i don't feel so alone you know yeah. in the world because yeah. it's a community at least yeah. for a night yeah so we're at 1979 now. Yeah. You're in San Francisco. In San Francisco. So what did you do there? <clears throat> oh, my God. Uh, well, most of it, I, well, some of it I can't talk about in public. Um, <laughs> it was the 70s, know. you know, in San Francisco. I mean, use your imagination, and I was probably there. Um, so a lot of that, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, hanging out of the hate. And I, uh, but, but it was, um, you know, it was... It was a new city. Um, I, I again, I was involved with this theater company. I went to school there for two years, and I was a member of the company and did a, a, a number of plays with that company. The person that was there, Wendell Phillips, was a, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
in the theater world uh, iconic. He was he was very well known and a great teacher. Um, so I had the theater to tie me down, but I worked at a string of restaurants, like a lot of actors. You know, I worked, uh, I, and I lived in different parts of the city, um, uh, fell in some hard times. I was, you know, I lived in the theater for a while. Nobody knows, nobody knows. Um, still don't know, in the prop room. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd rehearse and then go upstairs and go to and sit in the prop room and in the shadows there'd be props and costumes and this and that and, and furniture and it was just a wild existence, you know. Um, and couple that with I'm 19. I'm 19 years old, you know. Um, and so my life was, you know, I saw The Grateful Dead a lot, you know. So I did all the things you think. I, you know, um, lots of rock concerts and uh, and um, a lot of the, a lot of the, the great 70s rock musicians were still, you know, in their prime, uh, or at least at their full powers. Um, I, you know, we went camping a lot. I was in a lot of earthquakes, <laughs> um, you know, and worked at uh, restaurants as a cook and a chef, and not a chef, but line cooks and uh, uh, saute cook and <clears throat> different things like that. And I was a bicycle messenger for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah man. I uh, hopped on a bike, and every morning I'd fly we actually had paper back then that we had to deliver to people and uh and i'd get on my bicycle man and, and uh do the things you might do in san francisco and ride around the san francisco all day delivering stuff it was a pretty cool job you know cool, cool. um my hair was somewhat long um and uh so i i, I kind of lived the life the serious study of of acting and the theater which was just this heady experience but also uh uh, you know, being immersed in in San Francisco as a nineteen year old, which was the ex- an experience in and of itself. It was, I, I look back on it, and it was a it was a wild time. It was it was great. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were things that you learned during your time in as an actor in San Francisco? Um, I learned to tell the truth, at least on stage. Uh, Wendell, uh, the 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 teacher that we had, we were you know um. It was very much kind of early, really kind of the arc of Stanislavski's work. So it was Stanislavski work. Um, and, uh, you know, I really had never studied with a teacher. And I've had been very fortunate to study with some fairly well-known teachers. And the great ones just have a presence. And, um, you know, I learned uh, how, to, uh, how to speak the truth, how to... How to, how to how to allow emotional um, currency to flow, how to, how to connect to a character. I learned to use my imagination. Um, we also taught, a, taught us a technique uh, called the Michael Chekhov technique, which is a very physical, imaginative, uh, it's a psychophysical technique where the imagination plays a huge part of it. Um, improvisation plays a huge part of it. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I learned, here's what I learned. I learned that uh, what a high art form acting is, you know, that it is uh, something to be taken seriously and studied and worked at. It's a craft, but it's also an art form. But it's also, I learned how to have fun doing it, you know, Um, not to take ourselves too damn seriously. Um, So I guess I, I, the truth of a moment, um, I also learned from Wendell how to look at a scene and kind of get to the heart of what's really going on. Mm. And, um, uh, and he taught me that, and you know, in addition to the to the technique, and I also learned, you know, uh, uh, at that theater, as I said earlier, what it was like to be part of a like-minded, extremely artistic and creative community that was trying to do something 
large. You know, we were we were trying to change the world. We were trying to we were trying to change the world, and so that kind of passion has never left me. So I think I got that at stage group. You know. Yeah. When you say you were trying to change the world, what do you mean by that? Doing plays, uh, doing plays that mean something. You know, that that change people, that challenge people. Um, Wendell was a real rebel, so we would do odd productions of. You know, when we did the adding machine by Elmer Rice, you know, which mm. is this, you don't see the adding machine done too much, but it was amazing. You know, it's this expressionistic uh, work and um, and its themes are relevant. We did, you know, it was my, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, we did Shakespeare. We did uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, kind of contemporary plays, uh, uh, plays by Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller and, and, and that stuff. And, and uh, so I guess I, I, I learned... Um, you know, uh, more than anything, I think that I took away from that entire experience, the big picture, was um, the art form. You know, and the art of storytelling, and uh, how that if you do something, as I said earlier, that can move people, they will leave the, leave the theater and then move the world in their own small individual ways. And so, the theater really has the power to move people. Not just theater, but film too. Here's what I'll say. This is what Wendell said. Actors can change the world. That's what he used to say all the time. Actors have the power to change the world. And it took me a long time to realize what he meant by that. And I think, um, you know, and, uh, but I think if there's one thing, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to change the world through the stories that we told and how we told them. Do you feel like you have, in some ways, through your acting, changed the world in some ways? I don't know if I've changed the world. I hope I've changed a few people. You know, and they can change the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to make a career, to have a career as a professional actor. So I've done a lot of plays, um, and I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I, I hope. I, it's hard to tell. You know, hard to know what's out there in the dark when people are looking at you, what they're thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. But I know that I've been part of productions that have been very profound. And, uh, you know, I know what people say after the show and what they, they write about. So I think, you know, in my own little way, maybe I've made some kind of contribution to changing the world for the better, you know. But I think it's probably in the, in the individual hearts that might have seen something that I was in, not something that Mark did directly, you know. Right. There's a term that you mentioned that I love. You mentioned the term emotional currency. Ah, yeah. Um, I think... Uh, a lot of people, well, most actors might know what that means, but for mm-hmm. you, what does emotional currency mean? Well, you, I don't, yeah, currency maybe makes it seem more transactional than it is. It means, a, you know, it means allowing truthful emotions to flow through me in the moment. It means being able to imagine a situation as a character is in and be able to identify with it, not necessarily directly related to my life you know but we're all human and we all can relate you know I'll give a good this is an example I use with my students you know if I'm playing Richard III you know I've never the play you're not the historical the play I've never killed my nephews you know (laughs) I've never slain my brother and wooed his wife over his bleeding corpse Um, I've never done any of that but when I read Richard I can humanize him because I have been bullied. I have had things not, you know, uh, I have had things taken away from me that I thought I, I earned, you know. 
Um, I have I have been minimized. Um, I have uh, I have been all of those things. So I I understand when I read the play immediately what it's like. I I can go yeah people have done that done things like that to me. So I can kind of identify with him. And those emotions start just talking about it right now. It kind of riles me up a little bit, right? And um, you know and 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 so I think. Um, by emotional currency, what I mean is the river of emotions that th- flow through us all the time. I mean, and, uh, and allowing that to happen, but also, um, you know, uh, going to those places that you have to go to as an actor mm-hmm. when you play characters that are in those places. And, you know, that's that's the challenge, right? We're, we're kind of, this is going to sound so pretentious. So I'm going to say it anyway. I don't care. Um, uh, but it's kind of like a kind of like these shamans almost you know we're not really shamans but we kind of like allow something to inhabit us Mm -hmm. and we live that truthfully and we feel those feelings and we live that life out and then we set it aside we do the same thing with improv we just do it in a smaller time frame right right and whether you're doing a short form that lasts three to five minutes you're still allowing yourself to be inhabited by that right Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's a 45 minute piece where you start with one word and you just have all these worlds evolve and you discover all this stuff you're still allowing something to live through you. You know, yeah. that's what I tell people. You, you, in scripted theater, we see those lines on the page, and you see those words, but then we have to give it flesh. We have to mm-hmm. uh, give it flesh. We have to give it feelings, and we have to give it a mind and heart. Yeah, and, and even though we haven't had the same experience, we've had the same emotions. We've had the same emotions. We all know what it's like to feel slighted. We all know what it's like to feel joy. We all know what it's like to grieve, to fall in love. To uh, to to cradle you know uh, a child to um, uh, to to, uh, to 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 bury a loved one, you know, and so, you know, in a very very good play, uh, you know, and even some not so good plays, those characters, you know, we can relate to what they're feeling. So it's not a it's not a it's not a wide a chasm as we might think. Right now, of course, their own things are specific to them, and we can go there, but. The idea that you can identify and feel what that character would be feeling, um, it, it, it's a natural process. It's the same thing that the audience feels when they're watching a good play. Mm-hmm. You know, they see this world, they see these characters, and they, 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 they've been there in some respect. Maybe not exactly there, but they've emotionally and psychologically been in similar places, and so the emotions just happen. That's the cool thing, man. We are emotional creatures. You know, as actors, we... Oh, it's it's like it's like this. It's like the emotions are like the holy grail. I, I see with my students all the time, and you know, the harder you try to feel something, the farther away it gets. Yeah. You know, and so, but if you allow it to affect you, it will. And Wendell, Wendell, my teacher in San Francisco, above his door, he used to have this one word above the door of our office that was allow. Mm. You know, and he I was he was just allow it to affect you. Be courageous. Be brave enough. Be lovely enough. Um, uh, be sensitive enough and vulnerable enough to let down the mask and allow the character to affect you. Yeah, I love that. I remember when um, uh, watching uh, an interview with uh, with Ben Platt when he was doing Dear Evan Hansen mm-hmm. on Broadway, and he talks about how like after almost every show, people will come up to him and just say, you know, thank you. You know, watching you your performance really helped me get through a lot of stuff. Yeah, see, that's how you change the world. Yeah, that's how you change the world, one person at a time. You know, um, and then they will go do something, and they will do something for someone else, and they'll do something for someone else, and mm-hmm. suddenly it just spreads, and uh, that's how 
that's how the love is spread, you know, one person to another. Absolutely. Man, I love all the answers you're giving me today. <laughs> I hope they're okay. I hope it don't sound pretentious. <laughs> no, but it, but it's great because I think, you know, sometimes as an actor, whether it's a play or a musical or an improv, it's 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 a lot of times it's easy to forget that. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget what an impact we can make on the audience yeah. who are there for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just need a night out or maybe they just need that moment for someone to connect with them in some profound way. Mm-hmm. And that connection always happens whether you love that character or whether you're, even if you hate that character, there's a connection that we all share in that moment. And mm-hmm. that living feeling is something that really helps change the world and change perspective. Yeah, you know, talk about emotions. You know, there's a there's a saying, uh, I think I read it in a book, in Siddhartha, the book, uh, you can never step into the same river twice, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and we're like that river, right? Because obviously it's, the river's flowing, so it's always a different river. And that's what we're like inside in our emotions and our thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And as long as we kind of don't dam that river up, they'll flow. They'll, they'll be there. May not be what we expect, mm-hmm. particularly in improv, when we haven't rehearsed it and set things and stuff like that, but but it's there nonetheless, and it's real, you know, it's real. And so, and I love being surprised in the moment by mm. something I did not expect, as long as I'm willing to uh, to allow it to affect me. Yeah. So, when did you decide to jump into improv? Wow. I well, all along I was doing improv in San Francisco. Uh, we improv was a critical component it's a critical component in almost every acting system I've studied whether it be Stanislavski Chekhov I studied with Jacques Lecoq it was part of his uh, improv was part of that I've studied clowning it's part of that improv is part of every theater system taught in the world it's critical you know and um, in San Francisco I was lucky enough in our company were a couple of members uh, from the old committee um, in San Francisco and so they would teach us workshops and uh, and they weren't called the committee anymore. They had morphed into some other things after Dell left, and uh, they kind of take it in different directions. Um, but uh, so that kind of introduced me to improv as something that could be humorous, right? Because before that, it was about exploring text. It was about exploring scenes. It was about finding the emotional and psychological through line of the character without the burden of the lines, right? Mm-hmm. Then you go back to the lines, and hopefully you've discovered some stuff. But this was the first time it was like wildly physical. It was very political. Um, it was in your face. All the things that I love. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. So I did that. And then I moved back to Cincinnati. They had an improv company at the Playhouse in the Park for the interns. I saw one of their shows. I was like, holy moly, this is great. And uh, I was an intern later. Then we did the same thing. So I started doing improv there and then just fell in love with it. So, you know, it's not like it's a parallel track, but I've been doing improv probably since the late 70s and then uh, and sometimes much more serious and not much more consistently than other times you know I, um, but um, and then uh, I we had our own improv company in Cincinnati called Carnivores in Action we were you know and uh, <laughs> what a great name yeah Carnivores <laughs> in Action and around 92 or something we were uh, we were one of the hotter tickets in Cincinnati we did you know really? yeah we sold out I think we sold out the last two years, we, we probably sold out every single show we ever did. Wow. Yeah, and so, and we did a show one time for 1,500 people. It was crazy. 1,500? Yeah, it was part of this whole kind of arts thing, and they asked us to perform. So uh, so we did that for three years, and, uh, you know, uh, it was it was, it was was great. And then um, we didn't have a home, so we were like a true, we were traveling, we were vagabonds. We had a couple of places where we did stuff regularly, but we didn't have a theater. Mm-hmm. And then people started moving away, things happened, you know, right. and it kind of 
uh, we kind of broke apart. And then I really didn't do improv for a long time after that. You know, this was probably '96. Probably moved to Miami around nine two thousand three. Went to UM, and then um, I, my my uh, my wife Maha, was uh, uh, was in Just the Funny back in like two thousand three two thousand four when they were at the Science Center. She had noticed that Sharna was coming down and uh, to teach uh, a Herald workshop, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I got to do this." So she did it, right? Mm-hmm. And she loved it. And uh, I was like, "Wow, what's this? What's this?" And I, I had I actually had taped some stuff for JTF way back in the day. So you really? I, yeah, I was. I taped something. David remembers what it was, but I taped something for them, and uh, I had these memories of it, but I can't remember exactly what it might have been. The festival it might have been some festival shows, because I was, you know, uh, I was a film student. I was with Maha. And so um, the next year, I saw that they were coming back down again, at least uh, the, the people from I.O. And I think it was Tara and Rance, and um, which wasn't Sharna the second year. But I, I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. You know? I, and I was terrified. I hadn't done improv in a while. Mm-hmm. So I did that week-long intensive, and then like, I was like, I love this, and I love the people here. And then I, I actually approached Tom, and I said, hey, Tom, I want to audition. He goes, okay. <laughs> you know how dumb is. Was like, okay, yeah. and and uh, and then before I knew it, I auditioned. I got in the company, and uh, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I saw. Let me see if I can find it here because I, I'm pulling out my phone, everyone. Um, <laughs> because the very first summer, eight years ago today, we did this. Um, we uh, some members of I just gotten into the company after the auditions here, just the cast, uh-huh. and we did a um, this um, uh, this thing. It was. Um, Let's see if I have it here. I don't have it, but it was this thing for the drive-in for the. Uh, we did this thing for a drive-in like. Oh, in I know Road. what you're talking about. And, yeah. You know, like Paul was there, and Dash and Marlene organized the whole thing. Stephanie was there, and uh, oh, and David Rosario, and uh, and me, and we had, and I had the pictures. I saw them on Facebook the other day, and I did that, and then I started getting into shows, and then I just never looked back. I, I mean, I fell in love, and if it wasn't for the people here, it wouldn't have been so easy to mm-hmm. fall in love because the people right. were great. And uh, and I really improv had changed a bit, you know, uh, and and uh, you know back when we when I was doing it, long form was popular, but not all that popular. Most mm-hmm. of the shows were short form shows, um, but you know uh, there were, it was just a different kind of there were different focuses, and uh, I just took a deep dive into it over the last eight years and mm-hmm. have had a lot of fun doing it, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's cool for me because uh, th- with my job, uh, you know, I, I run a um, a college. Uh, acting program and my job is pretty intense so it's it's great because I can I can get my acting fix I can you know commune with people and uh, and uh, it, it doesn't take a four-week rehearsal process eight hours a night you know mm-hmm. um, I can and, and so it's it's because improv is acting that's my whole yeah. philosophy it's just Absolutely. you don't have a script and so when I'm improving I'm acting so I'm getting that same that same charge you know when mm-hmm. when improv is the was really good it's 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 really good acting, you know. Yeah. Was there any particular reason why you were away from it for a couple of years? Uh, improv in general, or yeah, uh, yeah. I just had uh, I was a, a student at UM when I moved down here. I worked for you in restaurants. Me in restaurants. I should buy one someday, maybe. I'll, um, so I worked. Or in, open up your own. Or restaurant. Open my own, my own restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get get a food truck. Um, and uh, I, I um, you know. Um, I was at UM and I got an undergraduate degree. I started 
I, I, at the University of Cincinnati, I started in 1977. I finally got an undergraduate degree in 2007. So it took me wow. 30 years to get a four-year degree. <laughs> it's got to be a record. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I went right into graduate school and got a, a Master of Fine Arts in Screenwriting. Mm. And so um, so that a lot of my time it, it was spent in school, you know. Mm. And, uh, and so I did that. And then... Um, that's kind of I just didn't have time to do much except for make movies and right. and do stuff like that. So uh, uh, and do my schoolwork. But once school finished, it, it, you know I think um, you know I, f- I finished my my MFA thesis around 2013, mm-hmm. and by 2015 I was I was here at JTF. So mm-hmm. I found it pretty quickly once I had some time. Yeah. And also once I did that workshop, I just it was like oh this is why I love this so much. Yeah. You know once yeah. I did the uh, the Herald workshop with uh, Tara and Rance. Yeah. We should mention that the lovely sounds that you're hearing in the back room, uh, in the background, is uh, our cast uh, warming up for rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that we're getting uh, mobbed or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, they're in there um, zip zap zapping or yeah. something. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be joining them soon. We'll be joining them soon. Yeah. Um, so now you've been here for uh, for eight years. Eight years, yeah. And um, you know, it's for me personally, it's been so wonderful to share the stage with you. Uh-huh. During these eight <clears throat> years. What have you learned as an improviser, and how have you grown and developed yourself as an improviser? Um, well, I, I think you know one of the things I've, I've it's reinforced is that, like I said, um, improv is acting. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of the skills I a lot of the skills I had developed and used were applicable, and they were back then too. But that was re reemphasized to me and I, I, I learned that I le- you know um, just studying with all the people that have come through here and working with you and working with David and working with people it's, I, I think you know staying in the moment it's all about the present it's all about that moment right now it's happening that's where the magic is yeah it's not about what's going to happen in 10 minutes or 5 minutes it's not about what just happened although we remember that and use it mm-hmm. repurpose reuse um, recycle thank you Susan Messing mm-hmm. um, and uh, and Speaking of people like that, I've had the chance to study with, you know, some some of the best improvisers in the world, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and they come down to the festival and and um, develop friendships with people like Tara and Rance and 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 from all these different people. I think more than anything, you know, it's about following the fun, not trying to be funny. Right. It's about not plotting. It's about staying in the present and discovering things together. It's about playing. I used to wonder why they call it playing. You know, and it, it, one day I was like, "Oh, because we're playing." <laughs> it's, it's so, duh. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's about um, it's about connection and re- relationships, connecting mm-hmm. to people, and, and and building relationships on stage. Um, I think I've learned and uh, not learned, but lately, uh, um, over the last couple of years, really looking for heartfelt moments in in scenes. You know, not always going for what I think might be the funny thing or the, the, the odd thing, but really trying to go for the honest thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I tell you, when I hear an audience go, oh, that's every bit as satisfying to me as a laugh. Absolutely. When there's a visceral response to something that happened with us, mm-hmm. not just me, with us on stage. Um, and, you know, it's like the best way I can describe it, what I've learned and to appreciate is that it's like... Um, it's like you know, you you're in it and you kind of know what's going to happen and then it surprises you at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's I can't describe it because we don't, you know, we're we're in the present, but 
that magical moment when everybody just seems to be on the same page and you know it's like ego dissolution or something you know and all of a sudden you're just part of this whole and um and i think that's what i've learned to 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 to, to be aware of that um more than i'm aware of what might be the funny thing or the this thing that that comes you know and then you know heightening justification things like that there's techniques right. like any art form there's techniques right any if you're doing Shakespeare, there's techniques you use as an actor. If there's doing, if you're doing a, you know, a wild physical movement piece, there's techniques. Clowning, you know, acting is acting, but you know, you use different tools for different things. With, with improv, there's a specific set of tools that help out. But uh, I think what I've learned mostly is the appreciation for um, what I kind of knew all along, which was that, you know, each moment is uh, a world unto itself, mm. and. Uh, and you can take people on a journey that includes laughter and loss and love and joy. And, uh, and if you're on for the ride, they will be too. Yeah. It's funny. We are performing in a building called Just the Funny. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, no of course. Pressure. Yeah, exactly. No pressure. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, when, I was talking to, when I was talking to David, he talks about how much he, he hates our name so much. <laughs> and, 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 and I said this in the beginning when I first started. I'm like, why? It's a cool name. It's catchy. But now that I've learned what I've learned in improv, yeah. now I'm like, yeah, I hate our name too, you know? It's, uh, it's <laughs> I, you know, I, I think of the name now. Uh, ironically instead of uh, and that helps me <laughs> same here <laughs> yeah same so when here. I say just the funny I'm being ironic guys yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, but it's um, it is catchy it does stick in people's mind you yeah know? it's a way to get people into the door it is and look look people come here to laugh mm. that's what they do and if we can if we can if that gets them in the door and we make them laugh that's great um, but now that we got you here yeah, we can make it feel some other stuff, too. Yeah, and they discover that what we do is so much more than just funny yuck-yucks. So much more. So per- much perfect more. example. Uh, last month, uh, we we brought back one of our specialty shows called Fever Pitch. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, you know, for those who haven't seen it, it's our very big, emotionally grounded show, and we don't look for shiny objects or go for funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say it's our dramatic improv show, because, you know, anything can happen in improv that could still um, inspire laughter. Right. But, you know, we did a very emotional show, and afterwards, the audience was walking away saying, wow, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. I was not expecting that. Yeah, man, it's it's nice when you see that light go off, you know. Yeah. And, you, and they realize, oh, this can be more than I thought it was. Yeah. Just like we realize, oh, this can be more than I thought it was. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, I the terms dramatic improv, comedic improv, I'm trying to use those terms less and less. Same you here. Know, because it's kind of the there. It's 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 a little bit of each. It's it, it, if it's if it's all one or all the other, it it's not nearly uh, what it could be. Yeah. You know. You and I share a, a very uh, interesting trait, and there was this one. Uh, I think it was maybe like two months ago. You were uh, you were the director for that week, mm-hmm. and then at some point we had a break, and then you secretly came up to me and said, "Boy, I hope everyone doesn't realize how much of a fraud I am." Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. I always yeah, a little insecurity there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, both of us, even though we've been doing this for a long time, yeah. at this point we still kind of have that part of us that's still a bit insecure imposter syndrome yeah right. exactly is that something that you still deal with to this day and how do you deal with all it? the time 
Uh, you know, I you know most unhappiness is based is based on comparison. I think, mm-hmm. um, and so I uh, yes, I do deal with that. I I, I you know I, um, uh, and that's fear. It's just a it's fear of it's also perfectionism. You know, mm-hmm. you know I, I want it to be right. Um, and uh, I think the way I deal with that, it's really hard. I don't know that I have effectively dealt with it, but, um, but I, I think I deal with it by, um, um, by one, uh, what did I learn? You know, whether, whether it was just a bang up show or whether it was one of those shows where you're like, oh, I wish this could happen, that could happen. What did I learn? And what can I, how can I take that? Um, and I also, um, I, I, I give myself credit for, you know, for, for you know, not being bad at this, you know, and uh, and I, I I actually, you know, have made a living as an actor and still make a living teaching acting and, and running a program. So, the, the the evidence is that I, I I'm okay at it, you know. <laughs> um, so I have to look at that, but also I, I just realize that that's just a, you know, that's um what does Rosowski call it? That's the uh, you know, your your brain's an asshole. Is that what he says? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly what he that's says. That's just my yeah. asshole brain telling mm-hmm. me shit, right? And, uh, and and so I try to shut the asshole brain off mm-hmm. and go to the other part of the brain that's mm-hmm. like, no, you, you know, the asshole's wrong. You, that, that was a lot of fun. And I think that's the other thing is I just try to um, just try to have fun. Yeah. You know, it's but it's not easy, man. It, there's no I don't think there's any, at least for me, I can only speak from my experience. That's all I have. Uh, it's not easy. You know, um, I heard an improviser say <laughs> one time he said, I give myself an hour after the show and then after that, I let it go. You know, because inevitably on the drive home I'm like oh don't <laughs> you yeah. know that would have been oh I could have but no you couldn't have it is what it is right yeah exactly um, and so I have to remember that I do I, I, I do know a little bit and, and I'm pretty good at it and uh, and I have fun doing it so what more could I want yeah do you um, do you seek any sort of validation from people to kind of reaffirm that you're good at what you do I do Oh, sure, sure, sure. Especially from like some of the headliners that come through if I take workshops. If I'm in a workshop, I'm, I, I always want to be the teacher's, not the teacher's pet, but I always want to please. Mm-hmm. I'm a people pleaser in many ways. Yeah. I'm a, it's odd dichotomy because I'm also rebellious. I'm going to cuss once. I'm a rebellious little fuck. <laughs> but uh, that's my only cussing. I, I'm being good. But I, Remember, I also... Remember, this podcast is said to explicit. That's cause... right. The, the, the <laughs> expletives <laughs> are, are allowed. But I... Um, uh, uh, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, I do, you know, and, and, and I just have to, um, good, good point, right? I, I was just took, uh, Tara, uh, uh, DeFrancesco and Rance Rizzuto run an improv retreat. I'll get plug the improv retreat every, every, uh, every year Please around do, Memorial yeah. Day. And it was in Michigan this year. It was four days. It's lovely, beautiful people from all over the country. Great teachers. Tara and Rance are amazing. Can't say enough about them in the middle of the Michigan woods. It was phenomenal. But even then, you know, I, 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 I feel like, oh, I don't, I don't know as much as some of these other people or this or that, or if I'm in a workshop, Oh, I, I got to do good. And that hit me there. You know, it always hits me. And so I just try to, uh, appreciate what the other people are doing. And then I forget about myself. And once I forget about myself, I start having much, a lot more fun, mm-hmm. you know? So I really try to focus on the, the wonderful things other people are doing, you know, and that, then I'm not thinking about my 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 own little tiny little self so much, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah, but I do have it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's absolutely there. I don't. It, it's been there. It's been there. 
since I was a kid, so I don't yeah. think it's going anywhere. Yeah. It's just I think I have more effective coping mechanisms as I get yeah. older. Yeah. I don't think that ever really uh, leaves us. Right. You know, it's something that we're born with, and, you know, like you said, as we get older, we just manage to have better ways of dealing with it, mm-hmm. but it never goes away, yeah. really. We all, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but it would seem like most human beings want to do well. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, and be appreciated and for And be it. appreciated for it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, dude. They want to do well, and they want to be appreciated for it. And those are pretty simple, simple ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, and so it's it's not, you know, something that is like a, you know, something to be, um, uh, I don't try to, uh, you know, try to deny it exists or anything like that, because it's there and it's human. Yeah. But um, I can also learn to put my focus where it probably should be, yeah. which is on others, on what's happening. On, on the fun I'm having, you know. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I still get insecure all the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. And I want I want people to like me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, Don't man. All. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twice you've had the honor of performing in the Miami Improv Festival mm-hmm. with Stacy Halal and her sure show have. Ruby Rocket. Oh, I sure have. What has that experience been like to perform <laughs> with? Now you're on stage with someone who is world renowned. Yeah. She's, you know, one of the people who we put at the top of the mountain, and rightly so, because mm-hmm. she's absolutely amazing. What is it like to be on stage with this major headline? <laughs> it's a blast. <laughs> it's a blast. I look at Stacy in the eye, and I see that twinkle, and I know we're, we're, we're off, man. And uh, <laughs> I also know that she's so good that I'm protected, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that, uh, uh, you know, it's just she's, she's right there. And she understands theater so well, so we, we you know, and, and so, um, and her show is so brilliantly conceived, mm. it's so easy to play those characters, mm. and uh, so, I, it's just, a, it's, 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 it's a lot, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and I was, uh, when I was AD one year, I was able to play in the uh, kind of all-star jam too, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we had this crazy scene in the street, and we, and it was a silly song, it was like this gritty, dark scene, and all of a sudden, the 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 the, the uh, MD started playing this little happy song. It was ridiculous, and I looked at me, and it was just like, it was so much fun. So I I think it's uh and it's just a lot of fun. She's, I mean, she's one of those ones that are she's brilliant enough that you're never you don't have to worry when you're with her. Yeah, you know? and um, so and also just the brilliance of the structure of the piece she's created. The characters are so clear. The story is so clear. It's so well structured. That then it gives you, and I, I'm a believer in structure, so, uh, you know, the structure is so so nicely put together that then that gives me the freedom to operate within it. If I know where the boundaries are, and I know what the structure of that piece is, suddenly I can just, you know, uh, 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 let loose within that structure and I have a lot of freedom. So the paradox is the structure gives me freedom, you know. Well, let's not forget, when you were in Ruby Rocket, you're also sharing the stage with the likes of Joe Bill, Joe and, Bill and Mark Sutton. Mark Sutton. I mean... Yeah, all those people. I mean, and I've taken workshops with both those guys, and and uh, they're phenomenal. And you know, uh, it, it's just it's a f- there's a, a feeling of presence and play. Mm. That's that's a big thing from all the people of that at that level, right? There's you, you, when I'm out there, it feels like uh, you know, um, it's just playful, um, it's focused, um, and I know that. Um, uh, I know things are going. I know. I just have this this confidence that um, things are going to go well. You know, because um, those guys are so good, man. Yeah. They're just so good. They're pros. You know, yeah. and and, uh, and so I don't have to worry. You know, yeah. and so it's 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been it, it was any time I've been able to play with headliners like that, uh, it that's the feeling I get. It's just really, really, it's just uh, so relaxing and so much fun. You know, I so I feel free. Yeah. I really, really, really feel free. Yeah. Do you still because you're on stage with headliners? Do you still get kind of that imposter syndrome every feel? single time? You know, except until I get on stage. It's weird, right? And this is, happens to me as an actor too. I always get butterflies. Before every show here, I get butterflies. I've never not gotten butterflies. But once I cross that, once I break that leg, mm-hmm. and for all you people, you'll know what that means. Once I break the leg, I'm there. So the, all that fear goes away because I'm in what's going on here. And so, but yeah, uh, uh, absolutely, you know, because, you know, chances are um, I've taken a class with them or I just respect the fuck out of them, you know? Yeah. And so I want to be good them you know I want to honor their their ability by trying to rise up to, to where they're at you know um, at least for a moment in time on, on, on that stage that night and so um, yeah I, 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 I can feel insecure but uh, but they're such lovely lovely artists yeah that I don't ever um, feel like mm, wish I would have gone that way it's always like wow that was amazing yeah you know? at, at this year's festival um, after Ruby Rocket, Stacy was participating in another show, and uh, forgive me, y'all, because I don't remember the name of the show. But then I'm backstage because I'm running tech, mm-hmm. and I'm going backstage just checking on everything and asking Stacy, "Is there anything you need?" And then at that point, Stacy just asked, "Hey, LD, would you would you would you play with us?" And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, "What?" You know? Yeah, and, man. And I had that same feeling of imposter syndrome, like, "What me, really?" But then the show began, and we were just having a good time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then all those insecurities just went away because, like you said, I'm with someone who I know is going to make me look good and it's going to help me make her look good. Right. And we're all here to celebrate together. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the feeling I have, LD. Mm-hmm. When I get, you know, you know, at, at first it's like, oh wow, but then you know, it's they make it so easy, you know, because yeah, they they're do. so damn good. Yeah. You know, uh, they're and and um, and it just it, it also I have to up my game. I have to be on point, right? I have to be present. I have to be there with them, you know, um, and so uh, so it I, just, you know, acting with them um, makes me better, mm-hmm. you know, because I, 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 you know, um, I firmly believe that, you know, if you want to be good, you surround yourself with people who are better yeah. in different ways. If you want to be good, surround yourself with good people. And um, if you want to get better at something, uh, practice with the people who are really good at it, you yeah. know, and, and so... That's just a, it's a golden opportunity anytime and an honor anytime I get to walk on stage with people, uh, people like Stacy or Joe or Mark or, or any of those people. Yeah, yeah. Joe did a did a duo show with uh, Shantira Jackson that I one saw it. year. I saw it. And afterwards, uh, he after the show he was backstage and he said to me, "Yeah, that's my secret for doing improv. I do scenes with people that are better than me." Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> he's so. I mean, it's just that's the thing, man. You know, and and uh, um, yeah, just you know. The, 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 the thing uh, I heard one somebody say the definition of humility is just being teachable mm. and so if I just can be you know teachable if I can have fun learn and then also make sure that I'm there with them so it's, so they're just not you know it's just not you know they're not uh, have to do all the work that I'm with them but I you know I have to be on point yeah. and so that in and of itself makes me better you know because um, uh, I'm practicing and I'm working and I'm playing at that level yeah. you know because those people will you, they, you 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 rise up you know they, they're the kind of kind of folks that that help you rise up you know yeah. 
So I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot a little bit right now okay. because um, at the end of my podcast, um, I do like a little closing speech. And I mentioned that I have a, a solo show called Together By Myself. Mm-hmm. And when I was developing this, the two people that I talked to about it was David Christopher and you. Mm-hmm. And so you and David were, you know, even though it's a, it's my solo project, both of you were very crucial and helping me develop it. Oh, and I man. really just, I really have to thank you for oh. that. And the fact that every time you see me do it, you're always willing to say, hey, LD, maybe next time try that. I mean, I, 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 I really love that. And really just thank you for helping me find my voice as a solo improviser. And just thank you for helping me make Together By Myself what it is today. Oh, LD, the world needed your show. And that's, you know, when you told me what you were doing, I was like, fuck yeah, the world needs this show. And, uh, and, and, and so it, it's a joy and pleasure to see it, uh, see where you've taken it, man. You've, you've just taken it by the reins and it, you know, standing ovations. I mean, it's fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back in your eight years here at JTF mm-hmm. and all the years that you've been performing as an improviser and as an actor, what do you reflect on now, all these years later and where you've been and where you're at now? Um, it's uh, it's a good question, man. Uh, you know, um, it's nice to be able to relax and you know, because I, I was AD for a couple of years, and and there was a lot of responsibility with that. Yeah. Um, it's nice now, um, uh, to be just a cast member, and you know, people tell me where to go, and I go there. <laughs> um, it's um, I think, you know, um. And this goes to the pandemic. You know, the pandemic was was hard on it, all of us, uh, but a lot of isolation. You know, a lot of sitting in front of that damn computer screen. Not a lot of human contact for a long time. You know, and so what I've when I've since I've been back after the you know pandemic and when I was felt comfortable coming back with crowds of people, it's given me just this great appreciation for being around human beings three-dimensionally you know <laughs> and being and so and the, the people here are so lovely and you know I, I i took that break and i come back and there's a lot of new cast members which is great and um so i think you know, re- looking back it's the improv yes and and i always try to get better and i hope i'm better next year than i am this year and i hope i'm better in five years and, and better is kind of what is that word it's kind of a you know um it's very subjective but i I hope to continue to learn and grow in improv, um, but just the community, I think, is what I, as I reflect back on how valuable that is for me as a human being, to um, to to be with other people, to connect with them, and to uh, uh, to live together, kind of, you know. And I think as I look back, you know, somebody said uh, one time I heard somebody say, you know, the older you get, the more you realize that the big things in life are really the little things. And the mm. little things in life were really the big things. Yeah. And so just warming up backstage and somebody, and just that moment before we walk on and we're all looking at each other and we're like, you know, got your back. <laughs> he did, he did <laughs> quote that movie, but we literally say that sometimes. But you're going out there together, you know? And so I think looking back, the one thing that I can appreciate more than anything else um, is uh, uh, the togetherness and the appreciation for every single moment we all have with each other you know um during the pandemic um you know i 
for various reasons. I, I, I think I knew about 20 people who died in three years. Oh, my goodness. From different things. Six or seven from COVID, but a lot of other things too, you know. That's what happens when you get to my age. But um, So I've made a pact with myself. I'm never going to hesitate to just tell somebody I love them. Never, you know. Yeah. I'm never going to uh, be present with somebody if I can remember and listen to what they have to listen to understand you know instead of listening to reply all these things I know I know on the surface some people would think well, what did you learn from improv but that is what I learned from improv you know and that is what I try to apply to improv and uh, and that's what I'm grateful for is the chance to be around human beings and to enjoy every moment we have in this you know this this crazy life as we hurtle through space on a on a rock mm. you know um, we're all in it together. Yeah. We're all in it together. Aren't we? You have always been such a huge inspiration to me, and you continue to be a huge inspiration to so many. Here's uh, my last question for you. Okay. What's the one piece of advice that has served you well that you want everyone else to hear? Oh, wow. Uh, one piece of advice. Um, oh, um when uh, the last thing I studied with a movement guy uh, uh, named Jacques Lecoq and uh, he was a very well known movement teacher and mask teacher and the last thing he said to us before we left is he said always be curious and so I hope that I can always stay curious I love that Mark you're a lovely human being thanks so much for being here I really appreciate your time oh, you're the best man thank you so much <laughs> let's you. go to rehearsal <laughs> <laughs> I hope we can all be as curious as Mark said there's a lot to be joyful about in this world it's there just be curious enough to see where that joy is and where it can take you Oh, this was such an amazing conversation. Thanks so much, Mark, for sharing your joy and your passion with all of us. I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and I hope you're enjoying this podcast, too. And if you are, hey, feel free to leave a review. That would mean a lot. Remember to visit my website, togetherbymyself.com, where you can learn more about my solo improv show called Together By Myself and the improv workshops that I teach. Go and be curious, everybody, and see you next time on Improv and Magic.